0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the first Sunday of the month of Kiak. We know this is a a special month in the Coptic year where we are preparing for the coming of Christ in the Feast of the Nativity. And all of the readings of the Gospel are coming from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, where we start at the beginning of the story, which is what we read today, which was the annunciation of the birth of St. John the Baptist by Archangel Gabriel, to his parents, Zacharias and Elizabeth. And we, we read in verse six about this holy couple uh, saying, and they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And we might ask this question of how is it that God would choose any specific person, any specific couple for any important mission that he is calling them for and certainly we read in in chapter one a lot of very important things are happening the birth of saint john the baptist who is the forerunner of christ who is coming to prepare the way for the lord and that the the reason that he chose these specific people zacharias and elizabeth is because they were righteous before god walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the lord blameless also of course we know about saint mary Who was also blameless? Who was also very righteous and holy? And that Christ chose her to be the one through whom He would be born. So we can look at some of the examples of righteous couples throughout the Scripture, and to understand better what is the the characteristics of these couples. What is it that we can learn from them? Because we, in our relationships with one another, um, especially in marriage relationships. Um, oftentimes we struggle with this idea of righteousness and holiness. How do we deal with one another? Maybe unfortunately a lot of relationships are characterized more by conflict rather than by righteousness. So we can look at some examples um, in scripture and see these are the ones whom God would choose that God would um, have favor upon because of who they are, because of how they choose to live. So The first example is what we read today about Zacharias, Elizabeth, and they're really a a model for us of patience and obedience. We know that Elizabeth had grown old in age and that she had not yet had any children and of course we know that as she would get older the possibility of her having children would drop and drop and drop until it would become impossible for her, her to have children at all and in those days it was seen that if a woman does not have a child then it was some kind of a curse upon her like as though saying god is is displeased with her or that she has done something to deserve this punishment from god this is how it was seen during those days Um, and how do we know this because in verse 25 after it is that she had received the the this annunciation of the birth of saint john the baptist she says thus the lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. She was treated a certain way by society, by the people. She had this reproach among the people because of the fact that she had not had any children. And yet despite this reproach, despite the thing that she wanted in her life that she did not receive for so many years, she still lived righteously and blamelessly before God. So we might consider in our own life that sometimes when we do not receive something that we truly want something that we really want a lot and we ask god for it with supplications and with tears year after year after year and we don't receive it maybe this creates in us a kind of a bitterness or a resentment or an anger toward god or a feeling that we are less than than others if there is something that i see everyone around me has that i do not have maybe it makes me feel this way and yet this did not prevent her or prevent Zacharias, who was also dealing with the same problem, from being righteous and blameless before God in the way that they choose to live. They did not allow the thing that was lacking in their life to be a stumbling block for them so that they did not worship God, that they did not trust in God. And it's important for us because None of us is going to ever receive everything that we want in our life. There's always going to be one or more things that kind of are fear like these sore spots, these issues, these crosses that we are bearing in our life. That makes life difficult for us these things that maybe we point to other people and we say why is it that i am the one that has to suffer with this and these other people don't have to suffer why is it that i am different than the others maybe for whatever situation is kind of consuming me consuming my thoughts consuming my emotions something that i wake up with every day and i go to bed with every day and i feel like i really wish that this thing would be taken away from me and maybe this causes us to fall even into despair or depression But here you see, Zacharias and Elizabeth, that even though they had this cross that they were bearing, that they were still righteous and blameless before God. It's also important to understand what does it mean to be blameless before God. Blamelessness before God does not mean that they were perfect. It doesn't mean that they were without sin or that they did not struggle but they desire to be holy, they desire to be righteous, they did as much as they could to struggle for holiness. And whenever someone who is righteous falls, they repent and they get up again and they continue, right? So we have to ask ourselves, do we live for God despite our struggles, despite our weaknesses, despite the things that are lacking in our life? Do we wait upon God in patience to fulfill whatever it is that is our desire and leave the will up to him, not to our own will? Let your will be done, is what we pray in the lord's prayer we should learn this lesson from zacharias and elizabeth as a very holy and righteous couple another example of a righteous couple is abraham and sarah we know that god called abraham to do a lot of things a lot of very big things and whenever we we read in the scripture it's always saying god is appearing to abraham or god is speaking to abraham and he's telling abraham to do what okay first move from Ur of the Chaldeans in the area of Babylon, move from there and go to a far, far away place, hundreds and thousands of miles away from where you were. And you're going there alone. You don't have any family there. You don't have any acquaintances there. You don't have, you you, you don't even know what's, what's there for you at all. But God called Abraham to move, right? And what is it that Sarah, how is it that Sarah responded? Sarah obeyed. You know, Sarah said, "Okay, God, uh, God." said to Abraham, "This, my husband, I will follow where my husband leads." Okay, um, so both of them demonstrated a lot of faith. Okay, then in the place that they went, which was called Haran, they stayed there for a number of years, and then again, God told them to move again to yet another place. After they had established family, after they had a root of some kind of, uh, you, you know, stability there in that place, He told them to move again to another place, to Canaan, and again. Abraham obeyed and Sarah followed as well. Um, when Abraham was called to circumcise himself as well as all of the males by God, what was Abraham's response? He obeyed. If you can imagine an adult male is subjecting himself to circumcision. And this was not a time where there was anesthetics and, and all kinds of medicines and things that we would have today. This is not an easy thing to accept, right? It's not an easy thing to accept. And so so to, to say that, that Abraham consented to this when we read it in the Bible it seems like it would be you know we're used to reading it it sounds so simple right but if you put yourself in that position right and God were to come and ask us to do something like this today how fast and how easy would have been for us to follow one of the biggest tests in Abraham's life is this is the test of sacrificing his son Isaac we know that um, Abraham and Sarah they waited very many years in order for them to have a son and now when they are very old, now they finally have their son and God tells Abraham, go and sacrifice your son to me. And we read again that Abraham was obedient, that he rose up early in the morning to go and to sacrifice his son. We don't read about any questioning or any complaining or, 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 or any doubt even that this is actually the will of God or the voice of God, but he simply prepares everything and goes. And maybe what's even more amazing in this is not Abraham himself, but Sarah. Imagine if a man if you tell your wife, tomorrow I'm going to sacrifice our son on an altar, right? And I'm going to kill him, right? Because God told me to do this, okay? Imagine what Sarah's response will be. Are you crazy? Like, what are you, I'm not going to allow you to do this, right? And yet, even then, in this situation, Sarah submitted and she said, yes, go. If God told you to do this, I'm allowing you to go, right? How difficult is it to have that type of obedience and submission? This is why we, when we speak about Abraham and Sarah, we, we, we call them among the heroes of the faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, it speaks about all these heroes of the faith from the Old Testament. And we read about Abraham and Sarah and says, By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude. This is, this is an amazing story of submission and trust in God. And also we can learn from it that when we have godly relationships that we support one another, that we can trust God together and we can submit to his will together. Another example of a righteous couple before God is Elkanah and Hannah. They also dealt with a situation where Hannah was barren for many years and she prayed for God, to God for a child, and actually uh, she had uh, Alcana, the man, he had two wives, okay, he had Hannah and Penina, was the other wife, and Penina, she did not have a problem with being barren, she had children, okay, for her husband Alcana, and she would tease Hannah, because she, she, you know, again, at the time, the value of the wife was considered to be related to her ability to bear children, so the more that Penina, was, was bearing children. It's like as though in the eyes of her husband, she would be more valuable. She would be a better wife to him rather than Hannah. Okay, that was the culture at the time. But actually, Alcana loved Hannah. He loved her and he felt sorry for her. He had compassion on her because of the struggle that she had and her being barren and not being able to bear children. So it says, but to Hannah, he would give a double portion for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. We see here a kind of um, compassion in the marriage between the husband and the wife, that when one person is sorrowful and sad and and upset about something, that when one person is struggling, how is it that the other treats them, right? This man, Alcana, he was very gentle with his wife, Hannah. He gave her double portion. He he, he spoke with her, he cared about her. He wanted to protect her and defend her from um, what the other wife was doing to her right? So it was extremely painful experience that Hannah had to go through, but how helped to ease this, um, you know, this struggle? We ask ourselves the same question, right? Oftentimes we have situations where one of the two people in, the, in, a, in a relationship, in the marriage, is struggling a lot. What is the responsibility of the other toward them, you know? Sometimes it's difficult to listen, to the problems that they might face sometimes it's difficult to to deal with maybe the emotional consequences of that person who is going and struggling through a lot of different things but this is part of the role that we have as couples is to support one another to encourage one another to listen to one another instead of blaming each other instead of attacking each other instead to listen to encourage and to support this is why again we see in the life of Helcana and Anna that they were a righteous couple that they were able to live in harmony even though they had this big problem even though this problem was something that was real another example of righteous couple is the uh, Priscilla and Aquila Priscilla and Aquila were a famous couple in the New Testament um, and they're really a model for us of how to serve how to serve together uh, as a couple. And they served with St. Paul. And St. Paul, he, call, he refers to them in Romans 6, 3, and he says, Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. He considered them fellow workers that they were serving with him and working with him. Their house was open as a church and the p- believers, they would congregate in their house to pray. And also when Apollos, Apollos began to preach and to teach, and he was a very powerful preacher, but he didn't fully understand the faith. There were things that he didn't fully comprehend and he wasn't teaching exactly right. They actually took him aside and they began to teach him and correct him. It says um, in, in Acts 18, so he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Achilla and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. So they gave him of their resources. They gave him of their time. They, gave, they sacrificed their home. They, 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 they served with St. Paul. They served the Lord right and this is very important because oftentimes um, families we feel like we just don't have the time to afford to serve God you know we have to deal with so many things each one has work and we have to deal with raising our children we have issues with finances with family with friends with doing all kinds of things right all kinds of things that we are struggling with so here for them to sacrifice all of this time and energy for the service says something You know the a lot of times what happens is maybe somebody when they're single they're like serving in the church and they're active in the church and then after they get married they disappear for a while and some people they don't come back again because now i have a lot of other things to worry about i have a lot of other things to deal with or maybe after having children i feel like i can't ever serve again because now i have to focus on something else something that i'm dealing with that i didn't have before another distraction here you have an example of this couple who had all of their own household to deal with, and yet they were still serving the Lord and serving with St. Paul. And, and this strengthened their relationship. Because they were serving together, this strengthened their relationship. It wasn't that they took away from their relationship and gave this time to God. Actually, by giving their time to God, it actually made them stronger. It actually made their relationship stronger. The last example I want to um, speak about is the example of David and Abigail. So um, during the time where King David was still on the run from Saul, he was making a living, him and like his band of men that were with him, he was making a living by protecting the property of various people, right? So you could have like maybe farmers or landowners or people that owned flocks of sheep and so on, um, and that had shepherds. And so he would be kind of protecting the, sh- the sheep he would be protecting like the property of people in that area where he was and so the, that was the way that he lived he lived by this as a profession so that those people when they would see that he would be protecting them they would give him something for him and his men to live on so it so happened that it was came to be a feast day and he went to this man whose name was Nabal and he asked him for food right because this was his this was his job and it was an expectation that kind of like because he didn't have any other way of having sustenance or food or money or anything that it that something that he would be given Um, but this man Nabal was a very foolish man and he was a very rude man and he told him um, no I'm not going to give you anything okay this made David so furious that he actually decided in himself that he was going to go kill him Okay, he was gonna go kill him, which is very out of character for King David, but that's what happened. He had that moment of you know, being, being enraged, and he decided that he was gonna go kill him. The wife of this man, Nabal, she was Abigail. And when she realized that her husband did this foolish thing and that actually King David was gonna come and destroy his whole household, um, she went to uh, King David and she spoke kindly to him. And she spoke with tact and with, with, you know, like with wisdom to him. She ended up cooking for him a lot of food and giving it to him and to his men. And she kind of convinced him that as a servant of God, that God would not be happy with his decision of wanting to go and to kill uh, her husband, Nabal. Not because she liked Nabal so much, but just because she was a faithful wife and because she was a very wise woman. And so she actually um, served King David by seeing that he was in a state where he couldn't make good decisions on his own, even though she wasn't his wife yet. They got married after, after her husband died. Um, but, But she was able to use her wisdom to calm King David down, to tell him what he needed to do, and to get him to turn away from the bad decision that he was preparing to do. We read about her in 1 Samuel 25. It says, and blessed is your advice. This is what King David is saying about her. And blessed is your advice, and blessed are you, because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. So you see how God can use the people around us and can use our spouses to speak to us so that we can learn and understand from him through our spouses. This is supposed to be one of the the benefits of actually having a spouse, someone who is close to me, someone who can give me wise advice, someone who can can instruct me, maybe look at something more objectively than I can and help to lead me and to guide me in a certain direction. So this is another example of a wise couple, of how we deal with one another, that I'm open, my ears are open to hearing, my ears are open to advice. Instead of closing my mind and saying, I'm refusing to listen, I'm refusing to take any action, I'm refusing any advice, I'm the one who knows what is right, instead to open my ears and think maybe the words that are coming from my spouse they are actually the words of god they are actually words of wisdom and i should listen to them so we spoke about several um, righteous couples and certainly the, the ones we focused on today is zacharias and elizabeth through whom god gave um, the birth of St. John the Baptist, who was the forerunner, who was prophesied about in the Old Testament, who came to prepare the way for the Lord. And we see that if we want God to work on us, then we should try our best and, and struggle the spiritual struggle. And this is one of the purposes of the fast that we are in now. That as we are fasting, we are, we are, we are performing the spiritual struggle. We are struggling against sin. We are seeking repentance. We are seeking God's presence more and more in our life and desiring to be with him. And may God grant us to be like these couples that we learn how to live in peace and harmony with one another like them. For a marriage to be successful, Christ has to be at the center. We read in Romans 15, Now may may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus that our relationships are filled with patience and that we receive comfort from them and that we, are, that we are reminded of God in our spouse, that we are reminded of how we should live in our spouse, that every day is a reminder of the path of salvation that God has chosen for us. And may God grant us to be like them and to live in, in a life that is pleasing to him and glory be to God forever. Amen.